Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about trust. When we encounter an abortion-minded woman, she has put her trust in abortion. It's our job to help her take that trust out of abortion and put it in the Lord. But how do we as pro-life ministers do that? We believe the scripture has a lot to say about this, so stick with us. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. Hope this podcast is a blessing to you. We're going to talk about trust today. It's a, an important issue, and of course we're going to talk about it in light of the ministry that we're involved in on a regular basis, which is sidewalk counseling. But I think this this rings true, and the things that we're going to talk about ring true. And really, any ministry you'd be involved in when you're dealing with abortion-minded women and people just in difficult situations, trust is always an issue. Right. I mean, whether you're talking about, again, abortion-minded women or even just marital issues and mom and dad uh, to their kids kind of issues, mm-hmm. <laughs> any issue, trust is a, is a big deal. Yeah. And in the Scripture, it's also an important deal, right? It is. There's all kinds of Scripture, and we're going to get into some of those, yeah. that talk about trust. But yeah. let me kind of set the stage for what we're talking about. Because, again, we're primarily talking about in a sidewalk counseling realm or maybe even in a pregnancy center or Mm -hmm. some other kind of pro-life ministry, is we're talking about the trust, and this is kind of what we come up against, that a woman has in abortion, in the abortion industry. And what I mean by that is that she's put a certain level of trust in abortion to fix her situation, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And she's trusting abortion to make the relationship with her boyfriend better, mm-hmm. her husband better, to calm the storm mm-hmm. that's going on in her life. Right. She's put her trust in abortion and thereby put her trust in the abortion industry. I right. mean, that right. seems to be the and that's case. what's going to change her life and make it all right again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what we've got to do, and this is a dynamic that I thought would be a blessing to you guys to understand, is we've got to try, as sidewalk counselors, as pro-life pregnancy center counselors, We've got to try to counsel these women into taking that investment, if you will, Mm -hmm. of trust Mm -hmm. out of the abortion clinic, out of the abortion industry, out of abortion, Mm -hmm. and put that trust in, you know, in us, Mm -hmm. but really in the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. Basically, we're trying to gain their trust. Right. (laughs) Because if they don't put their trust initially in us over the abortion center, there's no reason to listen to us. No one listens to someone they don't trust. Yeah. So our goal is, of course, to transfer that trust ultimately to God. But first of all, they they have to feel they will trust us enough to hear what we have to say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what are some of the challenges mm-hmm. then that we're dealing with? We're coming yeah. up against some challenges, and we're at a, a a pretty grave disadvantage, especially standing in front of an abortion clinic. Yeah, we really are. coming to the abortion center. Right, right. What are some of the challenges? Yeah, well, I looked on the website of of our local, very busy abortion center, and here is the first big challenge. So these women don't go looking for sidewalk counselors that can can give them another, you know, different option other than abortion. Yeah, I mean, they're not coming to the abortion clinic because they're hoping a sidewalk counselor will be there. Right, right. we have had people come because they knew knew that the mobile unit would be there. They knew it would be be out there. Right, right. So we praise God for that. But primarily, they're not coming to the abortion clinic 
because they want to encounter us. Right. They're coming for abortion. And right, exactly. And and so so let's look at how the abortion center, first of all, presents themselves. Yeah, to, because in order to gain, to gain the their trust, trust of these this, women. This is a quote okay. from the website of the abortion center. Our physicians are some of the most experienced abortion providers in the Southeast. Our staff has provided abortion care to over 100,000 patients during the past 20 years. Yeah. As though that's something to brag about, right, but yeah. honestly. Well, for them it is. Okay. Registered nurses and medical assistants with years of abortion experience complement and assist our very experienced medical staff. Many of our counselors have backgrounds in psychology, social work, and medical office environments. All of our counselors are sincere, caring women who are committed to helping each individual patient complete their treatment with the best possible emotional, spiritual, and physical spiritual outcomes. Wow. Yeah. You know, a word comes to mind mm-hmm. as you read all of that. Yeah. Um, and I hope I don't have to beep this out. Bullcrap. Okay. <laughs> That's bullcrap. <laughs> we who know what really happens. But yes. but just look at let, let's just examine yeah. their language. It's, it's in, some good language. This is some excellent language. They know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. We're, yeah. we we don't want to underestimate the um the craftiness of the abortion center. They are very good of course. at at drawing people in and into trusting them. Yeah. So well, this is what we have to understand too mm-hmm. is that we're dealing with again a a for-profit uh, company, right? Well, Planned Parenthood's not they say they're not for-profit, but they make right. money they make off of killing children. Buco money on them. Yeah. <laughs> so we know that. So we're dealing with that and so I say that so that people understand these are salesmen and these That's are right. sales tactics and mm-hmm. and a sales tactic is to gain people's trust. Yeah. by Hey, we have this amount of experience. Yeah, right. Yeah. And and something that a lot of people don't know. I certainly didn't know this until some of the abortion workers who left confided in me and talked with me and and told me that they have quotas at the call center quotas mm-hmm. for how many abortions they have to book or they're retaught. Okay. They're re-educated. Re- reconditioned. <laughs> re- re-educated. <laughs> or, and then ultimately fired if they don't meet their quota of abortions. Okay. I mean, how sick is that? Yeah. Well, it's it not like, a surprise, yeah. though. Yeah. Because, again, so, you're talking about a, a business that makes a lot of money off of what they're right, doing. Right, right. So notice how they're building trust in their prospective clients. They paint this rosy picture of time-tested success. Yeah. 20 years. 20 years. Of killing 100,000 babies. Yeah. And this is a glowing recommendation because they know what they're doing, apparently, in, in this business. The doctors are, are described as experienced. The staff are, are described as caring, sincere, committed to helping, and the best possible outcome. So all that language, not once does it describe what happens in an abortion. Of course not. Nowhere on the website can you find the abortionist's name and look up the record of the abortionist. Right, yeah. Nowhere. Even if you call and ask, they so, don't I mean, tell you. In, in one sense, they're talking about their providers and their, mm-hmm. you know, abortionists and their staff and all mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. You got to take our word for it because they're not going to. This is what the abortion clinic is conveying. You got to take our word for it that these people are, are experienced because we're not going to tell you who they are right, until they right. actually come into the room, right? And, to and do and the you, abortion. And you get the idea that maybe, maybe you know, you're getting this really wonderful, compassionate doctor. Yeah, but what do we learn from this, though? Mm-hmm. As we're thinking about. Okay, we're dealing with women in crisis situations. Right, yeah. And anybody in a crisis situation 
you're looking for something to grab hold of. You're looking mm-hmm. for some kind of hope. You're looking for some kind of remedy. Mm-hmm. You're looking for somewhere mm-hmm. or somebody that you can go to to help make the situation better. So that's and you're what we're dealing scared. With. And you're scared. And you know it hurts because you've heard from your friends. So you know yeah. it hurts. So the, so the picture they're painting is one that is designed to uh, dampen their fears and paint a picture that is not at all scary, yep. not at all painful. Well, at least... You know, in one sense, the abortion industry is playing on the fear of the future, the fear of having a baby, the fear of all of this, and Mm -hmm. trying to say, well, after all, having an abortion, I mean, that's the picture that the abortion industry paints. And some of the, I've heard pro-choice people say this, it's less invasive to have an abortion procedure than it is to have a baby. So, you know, trust abortion, Mm -hmm. trust the abortion industry, Mm -hmm. because all your fears will be um, taken away mm-hmm. all the things and anxiety that you have, your future, best possible, certain, yeah, outcome. Best possible, best possible outcome. outcome, spiritually. Yeah. Too. So how can we take what they have put there mm-hmm. and use that? Now I'm mm-hmm. not saying that we, we use the enemy's tactics, mm-hmm. but what I am saying is within this language mm-hmm. is sort of what we recognize as how we as human beings would communicate to someone who's in a crisis. Like we want to let them know that we have experience in dealing with their issues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We want to let them know that, you know, in one sense, okay, you've got chaos going on in your life and we got some solutions for you. Right. Yeah. And in one sense, you know, that's what a sidewalk counselor is. That's Mm -hmm. what a pregnancy center counselor is, is we're, we're trying to counsel them through a situation. We're trying to show them that there are solutions and that there is ultimately, from our perspective, a God that they can trust to carry through with this situation and bring about the best possible outcome. Right. And and so the abortion center, of course, knows we have a solution that is not abortion, and they, yeah. they know that we're effective at it. So we have another layer, though, that we have to first overcome, not only the language that they have read and the counseling they've received from the abortion center, but they tell them there will be protesters. We're yeah. called protesters. Um, they they tell them, just drive past. Don't talk to them. Mm-hmm. They, they tell them that we're mean. I had someone come and and say I was so surprised you you're nice that yeah. they told me you're really mean and angry and that wasn't what she saw yeah. which is by the way answers in part your question uh, we have to counter um, yeah well, that's another one of the hurdles right, that, right. that we encounter that's right. another one of the things that we you know, have to overcome yeah you know the yeah. fact that the abortion industry has this language and mm-hmm. has encouraged them hey we have these these wonderful providers and all that the fact that the abortion industry has told them the people on the sidewalk are just a bunch of angry, mean protesters. Mm-hmm. So that's that's something else that we've got right. to counter. Right. Um, yeah. The we've had some of the pro-choice people, quote air quote pro-choice people, yeah. say that you know you lie to the women, you mm-hmm. show them ultrasounds mm-hmm. of squirrel fetuses. Squirrel I've fetus. Heard that. Yeah, that was a good one. So they've lied to these women. So we've got a we've got a pretty big challenge, especially with sidewalk counselors. But even in a pregnancy center context. There's challenges there Mm -hmm. because, again, you're dealing with a woman who's afraid, Mm -hmm. who thinks, at least in some measure, that abortion might be a solution for her. And you've got to contrast. Really, that's what we're doing. We're contrasting God's way with their way. Right. We're contrasting God's way, the right way, the hard way. Yeah. With the world's way. The world is into quick fix solutions. Yeah. Take a pill, solve mm-hmm. your problems. Mm-hmm. Um, just go and have this five minute procedure, solve your problem. God's way is trust me. And it doesn't seem clear 
where things are going to lead. It, yeah. Ultimately, you're trusting in God, right? And it's kind of like you're in a storm. Mm-hmm. This is how I describe it mm-hmm. when I'm talking to women at the abortion clinic or talking to men. You're in a storm, and there's this storm of life, and we're going to get into a little bit of Scripture talking about the storm and talking right. about the disciples yeah. being in the storm. Yeah. But you're in this storm, and you can't see that there's a shore on the other side of that storm right. as you're paddling this boat of life. And we encourage them, there's a God that's over it all, that mm-hmm. sees from above the storm, and he's calling you to trust him. And so that's the message we're trying to convey. But again, we've got some challenges that right. are coming up again. Very limited time. Uh, and so one Well, that's of, another challenge, right, the limitation of time. We have limited we time. Have. We sometimes only have as much as 10 to 15 <clears throat> seconds to begin to build that trust. But one of the things as you were speaking that I believe is perhaps very important in any difficult situation when you've got choices to make is to label the problem. And yeah. the problem here really is who are you going to trust? And yeah. I think sometimes just being very, I've heard you over the microphone say this many times to them, who are you going to trust? Are yeah. you going to trust God or are you going to trust your own solutions that has brought you to the worst place on earth that you possibly could be and never yeah. wanted to be? And so labeling the problem that this is a problem of trust and, and pointing out their alternatives, what you just did. Yeah. You can trust God. Or you can trust the abortion industry, or you can trust the abortion. Yeah. To to and ultimately, of course, we know it's trusting the devil. It's trusting the enemy exactly. of, their, of their soul and exactly. the enemy of their baby. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the in my mind is I'm thinking about the hurdles that we have to overcome, some of the the issues that we have to deal with, and and what we're up against when we're trying to convince an abortion minded mom not not even just to choose life, but just to come over and talk with us is the fact that she's already engaged. I mean, I think there's, you know, within pregnancy centers, there's certain language they use. They talk about abortion minded women, abortion determined women. Mm -hmm. I think in one sense, what we're dealing with at an abortion clinic is we're dealing with an abortion engaged woman. Like she's engaged in the very act. Like you can't get more close than being at an abortion clinic to actually having an abortion. Her eyes are straight on that building where someone is going to take the life of her baby. And she, so many times women have told me, um, I agree with everything you say, but I've got an appointment. Their focus is I've got an appointment and that appointment is with death and nothing is going to deter me. So she's headed toward the abortion center when, when they encounter us. Yeah. They're headed toward the abortion center. Mm-hmm. They have their money in their hand. Yep. And they've already gone through the counseling stuff mm-hmm. over the phone oftentimes. So-called counseling, right? Yeah, so-called right? counseling. Yeah. <laughs> trust the abortion industry yeah. to, to give yeah, good right, counsel. Right. No. They're good spiritual counsel, right. which is ridiculous. But yeah. anyway, they've gone through that. They've got their money in their hand. They've been told there's these angry protesters. Don't stop for them. Mm-hmm. So really, I'm just painting the picture, guys, so that you understand. We're up against a, a pretty difficult challenge there yeah the miracle is that anyone ever chooses life it, when, i mean it's when a miracle when someone that. even stops and talks exactly to us. takes our literature yeah. or or so you know i say that not to to scare people off and mm-hmm. not to say that we aren't effective out there we certainly are we've seen god do amazing things yeah but to first and foremost set the stage so that we understand this is why we train our sidewalk counselors mm-hmm. most importantly that you need to be walking with god like right. the, we need right. god on our side we right. need god to do the work we yeah. need god to move their hearts we need god to speak to their hearts yeah and god does it we see amazing things but we also i think practically 
because we're up against so many challenges, because mm-hmm. there's a trust that these women have already placed in the abortion industry, and the abortion industry has already told them not to trust us, mm-hmm. that we need to be intentional and careful mm-hmm. in the way that we carry ourselves, mm-hmm. in the way that we talk. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want... No, listen, I'm not crafting the things that I say and things that I don't say based on what the abortion industry says. So right. I'm not saying that. Right. Right. We need to base what we say and how we do ministry on the Word of God primarily, mm-hmm. right? That has to be our our central source for information, mm-hmm. the Word of God. Absolutely. So I'm not saying that we leave the Word of God out of the equation. I know there are some people that say that. We shouldn't be talking about God right. Right. until some certain point. We shouldn't yeah. mention Scripture because it might, you know, stop them from coming and talk to us or whatever. I think that's a ridiculous notion anyway, Mm -hmm. because most of the people going into the abortion clinic clinic coming for abortions will quote scripture to you. Yeah, they will. Thou shalt not judge. We hear that all the time. (laughs) And you're, you know, in one sense, when you're quoting scripture, you're reminding them of things that they have known in their past. They've been in church. They've been exposed to things. Certainly in the Bible belt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, I say all that to say, still yet, we do need to be careful not to reinforce some of the stuff the abortion Mm -hmm. clinic or the pro-choice people have told them. Yeah, yeah. For example, we need to make sure the information that we convey is correct information. Absolutely. We have to make sure that they do not ever catch us in a lie. For one thing, it dishonors God to lie, but for another, it just kind of supports what they are yeah, saying it reinforces about what right. the you know quote pro-choice people right. what the pro-abortion people have told them right. what the abortion clinic has told them yeah. you know they show them pictures of squirrel fetuses <laughs> they lie to them and tell them their baby is fully formed at you know uh you know six weeks or whatever so we need to make sure that we're not doing that right but we do need to convey information mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Again, it needs to be accurate information. Right. It right. needs to be in such a way where, again, we're not like, okay, I'll give you an example. I've heard people say on our sidewalk, mm-hmm. uh, not our, not Cities for Life people, because they would. Because we're perfect. We, we're, <laughs> we're not. But I'm telling you, I would correct this right away. But I've heard people say, they've got a 55-gallon drum of dead babies in the back of that abortion clinic. You ever heard somebody say I that? I have heard stuff yeah. like that, but not from us. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I'm like, well, no, they don't, actually. Yeah. They don't and have a 55. we wouldn't know if they did because yeah. we're not allowed in there anyway. <laughs> right. But, I mean, we've seen them take the boxes of the, right. you know, the baby dead babies out, which right. is a grievous thing. Yeah. And so you might say they have, they put the babies in, in biohazard bags right. and throw them away. We right. do say that. That's true. Yeah. Um, but just what, what you're trying to do is you're trying in one sense to manipulate the facts and yeah. and bring a picture to the mind which I understand that we need to use words we need to bring pictures to their mind we need to be talking about the violence of abortion when yeah. appropriate yeah. when necessary we yeah. certainly do but to embellish on that just chips away at any trust that we would normally have because right. any reasonable minded person would know they don't have a 55 gallon drum of dead babies right. in the back of the abortion right. clinic and really the first picture that we paint for them is us our face our demeanor our tone those are all so critical in building trust if we look trustworthy we speak respectfully gently yeah. kindly we convey that we are someone who can be trusted so it before we ever open our mouth to speak which i believe very strongly we must do yeah but just our very fact that we're waving and smiling as they come and and looking approachable is is kind of i think the first step yeah and what that does is it chips away at what 
the abortion clinic has told right. them. Because the right. abortion clinic has told them, well, there's going to be a bunch of angry people out there yelling right. at you and calling you a murderer. Yeah. And when what they encounter is something very different, yeah. then they begin, and we've had women, like you just shared, yeah. who've told us, well, they said you're like this, but you're not. And so right. I'm glad I came over and talked to you. Yeah. So, They're always surprised. Right. So, so we want to... You know, again, we're not crafting what we say and thinking about what we say and what we do based on what the abortion industry says. We're doing it out of our love for God, our love for people, what we see in the Scripture. Right. 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 But if what we do, what we do, um, really shows that what the abortion industry, what the abortion clinic has told them is untrue, it helps. It helps to yeah. take some of the trust yeah. that they've put in the abortion clinic and to invest that trust in at least hearing what we have to say. Right, so, right. So our information needs to be truthful. Yes, it does. That, that, that it is does. very important. And it needs to be spiritually accurate as well. It needs to quote the Bible yeah. accurately as, yeah, we as need much to be as possible. Scripture and, to use, and to use the words. And I've got a whole slew yeah. of verses that are about trust that mm-hmm. that the the Bible has to say, that God has to say about trust. Would this be a good time for you yeah, to mention some so. of those? Um, so I won't go through all of them because we... Well, we... Let, let, let me combat something, or he, here's another level of of uh, issues that we have to deal with, Okay, something we're up against, is that you have the world's way. You know, the Bible says right. there is a way that seems yeah. right to men, right. the end of that way is right. death. So you have yeah. the world's way, its system, its system of thinking. Yes. And what does the world say about trust? Think about it. Think, what is the Hollywood mantra? Trust your heart. There you go. Trust your heart. Trust your heart. Yeah. Follow your Which feelings. Is not biblical. Yeah. Trust your heart because your heart will lead you. Yeah. That's a, that, listen, the Bible says directly the opposite of that. It does. The Bible says if you trust your heart, guess where you end up? In places of death. Yeah. Follow your heart and you'll follow it right to an abortion clinic. Yeah. People come to abortion clinics because they follow their heart. That's right. The heart is deceptive above all else. The Bible says, who can know it? So if the heart is deceptive above all else, well, then don't trust your heart, but what what do you trust? You trust your fallen heart, and it's going to lead you to an abortion clinic. So anyway, I say that to say that we're up against that. We're up against people that are following their heart. We're up against a society that says follow your heart. So that's another level of like complications and, and issues that we have to come up against. And We're so that's also why, up against selfishness, yeah. which is part well, I mean, of that, that whole plays following. on that whole idea. That's Follow right. your heart. Why? That's because right. you're the most important thing. Yeah. This is Look what's out best for, number for me. One. Yeah. This is what I hear that all the time. This is what's best for me, not the thought about what yeah. might be best for the And baby. if you know you have that sort of mindset, mm-hmm. and if you've your mindset and your life has been crafted by the ideas of the world, mm-hmm. then follow your heart just seems natural. So we're right. up against human nature. Mm-hmm. Which is has that propensity towards sin and selfishness. Right, right. So we're up against that as well. Yeah. And I think again, people need to understand what we're up against, not to discourage us, but to encourage us that we have tools in God's word that we can use because God's word, the Bible says of itself, God's right. word is alive, active, and sharper than any two edged sword. Hebrews yeah. four twelve. Yeah. Alive, active, and sharper than any two-edged sword. It says it's able to pierce the divide even between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. So what it's talking about is God's Word's ability to get in and to do a surgeon's job. God's right. Word will cut through the mess. It will cut through the lies. It'll cut through... The bullcrap. Yeah, the bullcrap. <laughs> right. And get right to it. And that's exactly. why we cannot, yeah. as sidewalk counselors, as pregnancy center counselors 
neglect the Word of God. We cannot yeah. neglect the Word of God. Now, that doesn't mean that we need to be constantly throwing Bible verses at people. Right. I understand, you know, there's we don't want to do that, shoving the gospel down people's throats or whatever. But everything that we say needs to be informed by and seasoned with the Word of God and we ought to be quoting scripture. We ought yeah. to be saying, well, I understand your situation as such, but you know, the Bible says this. Right. Keep God's word tells us, I know your situation is difficult, but Psalm 46 1 tells us, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Right. And what, what you said, undergirding everything that we do and say. So we may not even be quoting all these scriptures about trust. I don't know that I quote them very often about trust itself. But when I have that scripture in my heart and I'm familiar with it and I know what the Bible says about trust, I I am more able to then go forth and know how to help them to yeah. trust in God yeah. ultimately. Yeah, because you know, as believers, we need to have assurance in the Lord that we can, you know, you can't give what you don't have. Exactly. And so if you're trying to convey to an abortion-minded woman, a woman at an abortion clinic, that she needs to trust God, if you don't have trust in him right. yourself, right. you're going to have a hard time convincing her to trust yeah, the Lord. So you need sure. to be sure of God's word yourself. And, of course, if you're a believer, you are, and, and God's helping you more and more to trust him. Yeah. But we need to be in God's word on a regular basis. This is what I want to encourage people with, too. Yeah. And this is what we encourage our sidewalk counselors mm-hmm. here with you got to be in constant fellowship with the Lord because this ministry is not a ministry you're going to be able to do out of your own strength. You're not going to be able to do it out of your own wisdom. And the world's wisdom, as much as medical science might be on our on our side, and it is, yep. medical science is not going to change a human heart that's bent on doing something very selfish like It abortion. never says in the Bible that I could find trust in medical science. Yeah. yeah. Never. Now, I'm not saying that medical science, again, is not on our side. It is. It is. And I'm not saying that it's not a tool that we can use. Mm-hmm. We certainly can. Mm-hmm. That's one of our what we call our three talking points mm-hmm. when we're talking when we're teaching sidewalk counselors mm-hmm. is fetal development. We get right. that from medical science. Right. Right. The humanity of the baby can be proven scientifically. Exactly. Yeah. But what does that even matter? If you think about it, what does the humanity of the baby even matter mm-hmm. if God's not brought into the equation? Right. You're just talking about killing another animal anyway. Right. Yeah. So God has to be brought into the equation. Mm-hmm. God's word doesn't mean, again, that we can't use some of these things to our advantage. We can and we should. Yeah. But if God's word's not brought into the equation, then nothing else has the ability, as God's word does, to change the human heart. These women have right. to see from, yeah, I think the Holy Spirit shows it to them, that they can't trust the abortion industry. They can't trust, ultimately, <laughs> the devil. Mm-hmm. They need to trust the Lord. They need to trust what God says about them, about their baby, about their situation, rather than the abortion industry. Yeah. And the people that God has sent, they need to they need to listen yeah. to. You know? I had a woman a couple of days ago who when I asked her about what brought her here and what her obstacles were, she said basically that it was all about her. Yeah. But then she said that she knew in her heart that this was the right thing to do, and and that before God, her heart, he knew her heart. That's yeah. what she said. He knows my heart. And I said, well, do you know what the Bible says he says about your heart? Yeah. And, and I started quoting about the heart is deceitful above all else, and yeah. then I, I, I asked her the series of questions, have you ever lied, stolen, lost it after someone, spoken ill of someone, and, and, and she said that she had to all of those, and I said, what do you think your heart looks like in reality then? And, and she 
agreed that maybe her yeah. heart didn't look as good as as she thought that yeah. it did. So that's kind of an example of using scripture to kind of bring someone to the the conclusion yeah. that their belief was wrong, where they were trusting in their heart was just wrong. Yeah. And what I want you guys that are listening to understand, because we're talking, you know, heavy about using the Word of God. We're talking about yeah. how the Word of God comes against lies, and we're yeah. talking about wielding the sword of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. But, again, we're up against a lot, and they've been told we're a bunch of angry protesters or whatever. So that's why we need to be careful in the way that we... Like, you can convey certain truths like what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Showing someone that their heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Yeah. And you can do it very graciously. Yeah. You can do it in a way where you're not just accusing and pointing the finger. Yeah. See, biblically, we have to come from a position of we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God as well. Mm-hmm. We've failed the Lord mm-hmm. as well, and we need a Savior as well. Right. And even though we're not living in sin, we came from a lifestyle of sin. Yeah. We need to come from a perspective of we're no better apart from Christ than right. they are. Right. And we can speak graciously into situations like that mm-hmm. because we see, hey, except for the grace of God, I'd be right where you are. Exactly. You know, so when we're speaking from that perspective, we're speaking graciously. Mm-hmm. And I think it is, as much as people might minimize that, I think tone does matter. Yeah. The tone of voice that we use, mm-hmm. it goes a long way. And I think there's, there's a proverb that speaks to that. Mm-hmm. I quote this proverb a lot to our mm-hmm. sidewalk counselors and to other people who are not our sidewalk counselors who would, I would like for them not to be so, so loud and obnoxious in the way that they talk. <laughs> <Right>. Yes. <laughs> um, is the proverb that says, if you bless your brother early in the morning, loudly, it yeah. will be perceived as a curse. Basically what it's saying is, you can say as nice a stuff as you want. If you say it at the wrong time, and in the wrong volume, it's not going to be received as a blessing. It's going to be received as a curse. Right. So our tone does matter. Yeah, Our tone our sets tone the tone. Timing. That's what we say. Your tone sets the tone. Yeah. And your timing can yeah. matter. You know, you look yeah. and you pray for those opportune times mm-hmm. in a conversation with a mom who's come over and talked to you or with a mom who's stopped her vehicle and pulled over to talk to you on the side of the road. You look for those opportune times to introduce the conviction of sin, the reality. Right. You know, I've spoken, right. I mean, very forthrightly with men in front of the abortion clinic about their sexual sin, yeah. about their guilt before God yeah. and their manipulation of women. I mean, I've encountered men that have taken three and four women to the abortion clinic because yeah. they got them pregnant, having sex mm-hmm. outside of marriage. But I'll wait for the opportune time, mm-hmm. not to tell them that they're a filthy, wretched sinner, but to let them tell themselves. That's what I That's like so much. That's the most of, effective <laughs> yeah, thing to do, really ask is. questions and let them draw their own conclusions. Yeah, it, listening to and watching Ray Comfort videos. Right. You see, yeah. that's exactly what yeah. he, does. he does. He's taking them through the law, yeah. and he says, have you ever lied? Yeah. Well, what does that make you? And yeah. that's a really good method. You're asking questions. You're drawing it out of them. They're seeing and, and hearing from their own mouth their guilt before God right. for their sin. Right, yeah. And it, that's, a, that's a helpful way and a very gracious but forthright way to address these issues. Yeah, yeah. Well, so let's look at some of these verses okay. now. The first one is from Proverbs. Proverbs is so good. Yeah, Proverbs awesome. 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Yeah. So that's they're leaning on their own understanding, right? They are, yeah. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him. 
and, and he, he will direct, will direct your path. Yeah. Your path. And so that's a scripture. I will direct it. Yeah, right. You direct your path. You follow your heart. You follow your ways. You end up in an abortion clinic. You follow the Lord, and he'll direct your path. He'll direct your path out of the abortion clinic. And so this is a, a, a scripture that talks about trust, and it, and it really contrasts with the trust that a woman has in abortion and the abortion industry with the trust that she should have in the Lord. And I think right. this is an important scripture to remind these mothers about, that God can be trusted, and you ought to trust him Yeah, in and this one is one that I actually will say to the women quite often. For one, it's one of the few I remember. I'm, <laughs> I'm not very good at memorization, but it's such a good one. It, yeah. It's so appropriate. So the next one, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. Jeremiah seventeen seven. Yeah. And you know what we're talking about when we're talking about trusting in the Lord is we're talking about the character of God, really. You know, yeah, if you think about yeah. trust, mm-hmm. what is it? It's, it's really a, a faith in the character of that entity or that person mm-hmm. that you're trusting, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I think as sidewalk counselors, one of the things that we can do to help women to see that they can trust the Lord, and I think, I know this is very biblical, is to share testimonies. Yeah. to share stories about what God has done in certain situations. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the ways that I will try to gain trust from people as I'm talking to them or as, even as I'm talking on the microphone is sharing with them, listen, I've seen women in your situation, mm-hmm. and I've seen God do amazing things. Right. Would you come over and just let me show you some of the help that God has yeah. available for or you? Or I am a woman who was in your situation, yeah. and I did what you did, and I know the pain and sorrow, but let me tell you about how God changed my life and changed yeah. me and brought set me on a solid path yeah, of absolutely. light yeah. and righteousness. And so you're, you're sharing these stories, mm-hmm. and you're sharing these testimonies because you're establishing, helping establish in their mind the character of this God that you're talking about, That's that right. He is good, that yeah. He does care. That he is able to cause dramatic, radical change in your life that you maybe have never felt or seen before. And if you have experienced that, we all know that every true believer who speaks of that transformative power of Christ in their own life is compelling. People want that. People are drawn to that. Yeah. And if you look in the Old Testament, you look at some of the Psalms and you look at how the psalmist recounts the faithfulness of God, and even recounting the exodus from Egypt yeah. and how God had been faithful to bring his people into the promised land. Mm-hmm. What, what, are, what is he doing? What's the psalmist doing there? He's conveying the faithfulness of God mm-hmm. to the people that are reading mm-hmm. and singing this psalm, and they're singing about the faithfulness of God. If you think about a lot of our songs in church, they surround the faithfulness and the goodness of God and what God has brought us from right. and what God has done in our lives. Yeah. And all through the scripture, we see this common thread of what God has done. Look what the Lord has done. Look at the faithfulness of God. And that's all there to help us and remind us that this God that we're talking about, we're trying to encourage people to trust in, is good. He's faithful that he comes through, that he can be trusted. So trust him, you know? Yeah. And, and, and a it's, it's a theme in scripture. It's a very common theme. It is. And a counterpoint to that, which I do sometimes tell the woman, is now contrast that, that picture of God that has just been painted with when you trusted in yourself. When you trusted in your own choices, when you trusted in your own solutions, where have they brought you? Yeah. And they brought them to a place of death and destruction. And they all know that. That's undeniable. And yeah. most of them don't want to be there. Right, I, yeah. I would say none of them truly want to be there. So anyway, so the next one in Psalm 56, 
3 to 4, and then verse 13 in that psalm, yeah. Psalm 56. Okay. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? For you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. So there's a there's a psalm, just like the I was talking about, David probably, recounting yeah. Yeah. the faithfulness of God. You have yeah. done this, therefore I know I can trust you. You've been faithful in the past, therefore I can trust you in the future. And when I'm afraid, too, which these yeah. women, I think, relate to that. I mean, yeah. they are they are giving into fear nine times out of ten. Oh, absolutely. And so we can remind them of the faithfulness of God. Yeah. Um, we can remind them of the faithfulness of God in, in the Scriptures. We can remind them of certain Scriptures where God came through in the Scriptures, but also the faithfulness of God in our own lives, the faithfulness of God. I remember I shared uh, a couple of podcasts ago about the young lady who— by God's grace, and we talked about men and can men be effective in ministry, and how right. God's gra- by God's grace she chose life. Yeah. And one of the things that God used is me reminding her about the faithfulness of God in her life, and how God had been faithful in the past, and how God had lined things up in her life in such a way where she could actually have this baby and have her needs met, and all of this. Because she had given you enough information that you were able to 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 zone in on. Yeah. Hey, there's an example of God's faithfulness in this woman's yeah. life, and you're probably storing that in your head, thinking. I need to speak to her about yeah, this. Yeah, absolutely. And it's important to remind people of the faithfulness of God. Hey, as believers, it's important for us to remind each other right. of the faithfulness of God. Yeah. Sometimes I need to be reminded when I'm down, mm-hmm. when I'm in a, a difficult situation, when I'm dealing with just the anxiety of, of whatever stress going on, I need to be reminded of the faithfulness of God. That's why it's important for us to be in church and hear the Word mm-hmm. of God. That's why it's important for us to encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, as the Bible mm-hmm. says. Because we, even as believers, need to be reminded, listen, your future is unsure, unclear, like everybody's future is. No one knows the future, but God does. Right. And God, who has been faithful in the past, will be faithful in the future. And that is an important truth for us to convey to an abortion-minded mom. Again, we're dealing with majority, at least here in the South. The majority of these women have been in church. majority of these women know things about the Lord. Right. And so we're reminding them of things that they'd already known. Yeah. So that ultimately, again, they take the trust that they've put into the abortion clinic and abortion and invest that trust actually in the Lord. Yeah, and one of the things that they're losing sight of, I do think, is is eternity and what's happening to their soul as they're making choices to rebel against God. They know it's a choice to rebel against yeah. God almost overwhelmingly. And I, I love in, in this psalm where it says, for you have delivered my soul from death. So reminding them again, who really holds eternity yeah. and your eternity in his hand? It's not the abortionist. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's God. Yeah, and absolutely. do you really want to make a choice that is going to draw you further from God or closer to God? Well, you know, I think with this, I mean, we've gone through a lot of Scripture. I mm-hmm. think we've laid out a good spiritual case about how we as sidewalk counselors, we as ministers in, 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 pro-life, in a pro-life capacity mm-hmm. can help an abortion-minded mom to take the trust that she's put into the abortion clinic and put that trust in the Lord. I hope we've given you guys some principles, at least from our experience. Mm-hmm. And I think we've got more to share on this topic. Yeah. yeah. So we'll do a part two to this because mm-hmm. we can't go much longer. Right. But we'll do a part two and, and hopefully this was a blessing to you guys. And we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you guys uh, that share this podcast. Please continue to share this podcast. Send us ideas about future podcasts. We'd love to hear what your ideas are. 
And uh, you can get in touch with me, dparks at citiesforlife.com, vcasiorg at citiesforlife.com for her. But until next time, God bless. Give me an outlet for love. Give me an outlet for gratitude. I know it will cost me my life. But nothing's too precious since I met you.